TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Welcome in to the nightcap. Final show of the week, Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney here on WGR. 803-0550 is the phone number. Bills and Steelers on Sunday. I will be starting pregame with Nate Geary at 5 o'clock. Jeremy and Nate will precede me from 3 to 5, leading you up until kickoff at 8.20. Did it surprise you to read, unless you haven't even seen it yet, that this game is the highest has the highest combined win percentage of any two teams that Sunday Night Football's ever had December on. That does surprise me. Like, this late in the season, Sunday Night Football has never been played between two teams with this good of a record. Combined, they are 20-4. and four. Wow. I'm looking forward to it. It is it is as marquee a game as you could ask for right now. Yeah, I mean, it's the perfect game. It, it's funny because when I first saw that uh, the Sunday night game against the Steelers, you know, come out in the schedule, I was like, really again? We don't even know if Ben is going to be good. We don't know if this Steelers team is even going to be the third place team in their division, let alone eleven and one. But uh, wow. I am quite excited for this matchup. Is this one of the most excited feelings you've had about a Bills game in years? Because I feel like I just haven't been able to get enough. I haven't been able to absorb enough. I've been constantly on Twitter, you know, just kind of searching what are what is the national media saying about this game? What are Pittsburgh media saying about this game? I've been I just can't get enough of this game. I think this it's it's funny that I think I would say yes to that question, but I think I would have said yes to that question three times maybe earlier this season. Right. I would have said it a couple of times. The last Cowboys season. last season, yeah. Uh, the Cowboys game, right? The Texans game. That was the first time where they were in a playoff game for me, where my thought was, all right, this could re- this could be something. You know, maybe they win a playoff game. I wasn't expecting last year's Bills team to win a Super Bowl, but it was different than 2017. 2017 was just monkey off your back. 
The drought is over. It was more about making the playoffs than actually doing anything once you got there. And right. you knew yeah. with Tyrod Taylor and that roster around him that they were never going to do anything crazy. You know, they were not going to go on some magical run through the postseason. This team has even more of that potential than last year's team did. So I think the buildup towards the playoffs, and very much, I don't have a lot of examples to pull from, you know, as a 25-year-old Buffalo sports fan. I don't have a lot of examples to pull from, but one I would try to point to that to me is a similar feeling of I almost feel that I'm waiting for the playoffs. And that was the 06-07 Sabres. They had already gone on that big run the year before in 05-06. They had started the 06-07 season with a 10-game winning streak. They were in first place the entire time. And it was just like, all right, we're waiting for Ottawa. Like, let's just get to the playoffs and let's find out if we can beat the Senators. That was the whole season. Yeah. And the Bills are not all the way to that extreme because, especially in the NFL – there's more to know. There's more to find out. Their matchups are more important with it being one and done as injuries opposed to a seven-game series. Yeah, yeah the injuries. And also the Bills, we are just trying to find out what they are and how much of a contender they really should be. It wasn't like that Sabres team where they were first the whole way and they had a playoff run the year before to back, to back it up. Maybe that would be the Bills next year. You know, if they win a game or two in the playoffs this year. They win the division, and they make it to the conference championship game, and they lose to Kansas City. Next year will be all about waiting to get to Kansas City in the playoffs. That's what next year will feel like. But for now, I think I would answer your question still, though, is yes. And the reason is we're still, even me, and any any Bills fan, I would imagine, is not 100% confident this is a Super Bowl contender. There are as many signs as you might need from Josh Allen that would point you to they are. But until... They really beat Pittsburgh and then the Chiefs. Till they beat Pittsburgh. I think you can't 100% say they're the biggest threat to Kansas City. But if they win on Sunday, I don't know how you could argue against that. They're the only team in the conference that might have a chance. You know, it's uh, it's funny. You, you mentioned something in in there about how we're still trying to figure out what exactly the Bills are. And I just, by sheer happenstance, started watching ESPN, uh, just just caught it for a couple minutes earlier in the day, and I believe, and uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe it was Marcus Spears who said the opposite. He goes, I think we're, he, he basically said that everyone's trying to figure out what the Steelers are, we know what the Bills are, and they're a high-octane offense, yeah. and, and that's what it is. People seem to know what the Bills are and are trying to figure out exactly what the Steelers are. And I thought that was an interesting take because I feel like for the past two years, Bills fans have been trying to figure out exactly what the Bills are going to become. And is there a chance that the Bills have arrived? I'm not saying they've arrived to their peak of their potential, but in general, do we know what this Bills team is at this point, what they are trying to be? Yeah. I thought it was an interesting point. And especially, you know, talking about an 11-1 Steelers team and him saying, I really don't know who we are. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say that you we're, we're trying to figure out what Pittsburgh is more than we are the Bills. And a lot of that is who you've played and who you've been tested against. I was making the case that because... Last week I was making the case that because they had a perfect record and they had beaten really the three tests that they had had, 
in the Cleveland Browns, the Tennessee Titans, and the Baltimore Ravens that Pittsburgh had done all they could do. And the, 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 the struggles they had had against bad teams, you couldn't really indict them for that because they didn't lose those games. And until we see them either lose a game or get tested against a real opponent that you couldn't, you couldn't just throw them out. You know, you couldn't say that it wasn't real, that they were 11-0. But now we know it's not real. And if even if they had won against Washington, this week we would have found out right. whether they played the Bills. They were either going to win that game, we were going to know they deserved that record, or they deserved to be right next to the Chiefs in the conference, or the Bills were going to beat them and everyone would see them as the pretenders that they are. And I think came out a little strong there, saying the pretenders that they are. I don't think they're they're all the way pretenders. <laughs> That's strong for someone you know, who predicted them right. to win the Super Bowl before the year started. Right. I would probably rank them third in the conference right now, almost for sure. So I don't want to call them complete pretenders. Their record is inflated because of their schedule. But, you know, right now, they deserve to be right there in the conversation with the Bills. But I think we are more sure because of what the Bills have had to face they had to beat the Dolphins on the road who are in a playoff spot. The Bills have beaten six teams, or they've played six teams, that are currently in a playoff spot. No, I think it's they've beaten six teams that are in a playoff spot. They've beaten the Dolphins on the road. They beat the Rams. They beat the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they must have played the six because then you've got Chiefs, Titans, and Cardinals. That would be six. So you should have won you know, four of those games with the two losses being on the road in Tennessee and home against Kansas City. And there's no shame in losing those games. There's no shame in losing at Tennessee. And there's no shame to me losing to the Kansas City Chiefs at home in a bad weather game where you really weren't able to play your offense the whole way. It wasn't like it was the snow game three years ago, but you couldn't throw it as much as you probably wanted to. So real quick, let's not let's also let's not forget that the they lost one of their losses is because of a hail mary. Yes. Okay. So very easily, I know you can make all these cases. Oh, if this happened, this happened. But seriously, like we're talking about a a hail mary away from being uh, or, or seeing a ten and two Bills team, mm-hmm. and both of the Bills losses came between a Tuesday and a Sunday of the same week. Hmm. You're the right. same week. You're talking about one bad week against two against two of teams. the tougher, t- the toughest team, and one of the above average to better teams of the conference. You're talking about a, a span of what is that? Four days, five days. It was where the, the Bills have both of their losses this season. Every other game is a win, excluding a Hail Mary. It ended up being six days because that Chief game was played on Monday night. It was played on Monday night, okay. Um, so within one week. Still, within one week, right. They had their only two real losses of the year. And otherwise, they again, the Hail Mary doesn't happen. They would be they would have won six games in a row. They this would is be, why, by the way, when the Hail Mary happened, I wasn't too upset about it. Like I understood why yeah. fans were disappointed. but It was is, shocking. This is why five minutes after I was like, I don't think any less of this team than I did ten minutes ago. So... If anything, yeah. you saw just another glimpse of them going toe-to-toe with a very good offensive team and Josh Allen proving yet again that he can go down and score when it counts. That's what, that's what, it took, it, that's what you should take out of that game now that we look back on it. In the moment, it was shocking and dumb, and mm-hmm. you start having these thoughts creep into your head about Miami being right on the tail, right? But I, I think that's right, Joe. I think... You look back at that game, and you know it was it was stupid, but it was still yet another game that they kind of proved that they can their offense can can click. And their offense didn't even play that well, and mm-hmm. they still got what thirty points in that game, 
They did. So so let's compare these two teams, though, right now. The Bills versus the Pittsburgh Steelers and the way both teams are currently winning. The Steelers are what they are doing, is, is what they are doing sustainable. Right now, it is a very basic-looking offense. It is Ben Roethlisberger drops back to pass 80% of the time, and he is getting the ball out quick. He has not been sacked in over a month. He's not been sacked in his last five games. It's not just because the Steelers' offensive line is great. It is because he gets the ball out quicker than anybody in football. And he's got wide receivers like Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster who really live within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And then you have the big play guy in Chase Claypool that you take shots to down the field once in a while. So, And James Washington is a bit of a deep play threat as well. Right. But that's basically what their offense is. It is quick dink and dunk. And that's not always been what Ben Roethlisberger is, and I'm not saying he can't hit on that deep ball because he has been able to at times this year. But the vo- the, the biggest volume of that exists in their offense is the, that shorter pass. They can't run the football, and Roethlisberger has almost no mobility right now. They're not doing they're doing the least amount of play action in the league, and I've got a Bills defense that's playing better as of late. That is, I hate the term opportunistic and I hate the way the term like situational like good timing they're right now they are four they're number one in the league in fourth quarter takeaways and I don't want to I maybe don't even want to attribute that to anything more than luck but I think turnovers in general are fluky and lucky to some extent but they are playing better they're playing better as of late and this is is there a chance this is a low scoring game because we know how good the Steelers defense is and I think the Bills' defense is playing better, and I'm starting to lose more and more respect for what the Steelers have on the offense side of the football, that I'm not saying that this game's going to be in the teens, because I think Josh Allen and the Bills' offense right now is too good to keep under 20. But, and how, how great is that to say, by the way? Last year they were under 20 almost every game. Um, but I, I feel like we could see a lower-scoring game script on Sunday. I don't think teens. But I mean, you look at the, the not Bills. Not teens. I would say 20s. Probably. Yeah, I, like someone – one of my Pittsburgh friends asked me, what do I see? And I, my first reaction was 24 to 20. Bills. Yeah. I, I think w- with the injuries that the, the Steelers are kind of compiling over there and the issues that they're having, I, I think 24 to 20 is kind of realistic. Here's the thing. They scored 17 points against the best defense, what, the second best defense in the league last year against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh on Sunday night football. They scored 17 points. Yep. And this is just a much better offense. The Bills have a much better offense, and Pittsburgh has a worse defense because of their personnel issues they're having. Joe Hayden's out. Devin Bush has been out, but his backup, Robert Spillane, out. Vince Williams, out. And he's their leading tackler. Like, it's getting to a point with me, Joe, where if the Bills don't win this game on Sunday, then I have a hard time figuring out why. I have a hard yeah. time putting them in that second tier because, like, the, the the Steelers should not beat the Bills with the issues that they have on defense from an injury standpoint. Mm-hmm. If it's a shootout, fine. That won't bother uh, how I feel about this team. But if, if this defense kind of shuts down the Bills, I think – I'm not back to the drawing board by any stretch of the imagination, but it will leave me scratching my head – and say, and kind of saying, well, where is the consistency here? Yeah, you know what's interesting? I'm looking right now at like how has Josh Allen fared against top defenses this season? 
The Rams are the number one defense in the league right now. Shredded them. And Allen put up 311 and f- 311 yards, four touchdowns with a pick, and then also a rushing touchdown against the Rams as the Bills won 35 to 32. Like that's an that's an elite performance against what it might be the best defense in football right now. Right. And it Very is very good in terms secondary of yardage. Yeah. They just beat the 49ers where Josh Allen threw for 375 yards and four touchdowns. Maybe his best performance all year. The 49ers are sixth in the NFL in total defense. They've only played three top ten defenses. Those are two. The other one, by the way, amazingly is the Chargers. I would have never predicted they were in the top ten. And Allen had a pedestrian game, I would say, against the Chargers. Like they won that that game running the football. Yeah. Um but that Niners game and that Rams game, I think at least I should tell you that. You can't assume that Allen's going to have a lesser performance because of the team he's playing. Because those are the best two defenses he's played all year, and I could argue those are his best two games all year. Right. (laughs) Which is incredible, isn't it? And it's not happening because of rushing. You know, last year, if you told me Allen was going to be winning them football games, I would have thought he came along as a passer, but there's a big volume of rushing. This kind of, like what he did in 2018, and what he did sometimes last year. But man, like... He's a great runner. I would have never thought we'd get to a point where, like, I don't need him to run at all Mm-mm. because he's just he's come along that far as a passer. I thought what would make Josh Allen an elite quarterback, if he were to ever become one, would be the rushing would give him that little extra bump, and he would never make it up as a passer. But Cam he's Newton. made it up as a passer. Cam Newton. Should we take a break and then... I've got some comparisons between Allen and Cam Newton, and holy cow, did he look shot last night. Brutal. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's how could you well we'll talk about him a little bit more and Allen in the next segment. How could you how could any team ever start him? Again. Like like not coming in in like relief. Belichick said he's, he's starting. Well, I mean, Jarrett Stidham. They the are six, <laughs> they, before easier. going into last <laughs> night, they were six and six. That's mind blowing. That's why yesterday I was making the argument for Bill Belichick as head coach. That dead now, by the way, because they're not making the playoffs. They were a fumble away from beating the Bills. It's incredible. Justin Zimmer. Right? Justin Zimmer. Bill's MVP. (laughs) 8030550 is the phone number. Do you think the Bills game against the Steelers on Sunday should be considered a must win? We didn't even get into that a ton in terms of what it means to whether they are contender against the Chiefs. Let us know what you think on that. And then I've got a couple of numbers comparing Allen to Cam Newton. And also a look back on the comparison between Allen and Cam Newton, which was the most popular one for Allen coming into the league. We'll do that as well. The Nightcap with Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney. This is WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Jody Biasi, Brendan Keeney here on WGR. Got a little audio that I want to play here before we roll into our next conversation about Cam Newton, and it does relate to what we were just talking about. Me and Brendan going over, should Bills and Steelers be considered a must-win for Buffalo? And I think we have the same thought, and that the reason it would be considered a must-win is what your current expectations would be. You know, like I think the Bills are on track to meet. They're at least on track to meet the first goal of the season, which would have been win the division. Right. Right. And that that's a drought too. 1995. I've never seen them win a division. Like, let's do that. Let's check that box. Then next would be, can I win a playoff game? At least one. 
because that's something I haven't done in a very long time either. And that's what, if you're a contending team, contending teams at least get close. And then the third thing would be, can I realistically challenge Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl? Now, I don't need them to do that this year, but I would like to see signs that, you know, the next couple of years are going to be the Bills being a thorn in Kansas City's side because they're not going anywhere. Right. Like Mahomes, Andy Reid, I guess Andy Reid could retire at some point, but Mahomes isn't going anywhere. So basically, you need to be, what? What do we want the Bills to be? We want Josh Allen and the Bills to be what Peyton Manning and the Colts were to the Patriots. Like, I don't have to beat them all the time, but... That one team you have to worry about. Every single time. And even if they beat you most more times than not, there will be times where Peyton Manning and the Colts get the better of you. And that happened. And then you win the Super Bowl. And they won a Super Bowl. And they came close another time. So... Like, can I be at least that? And all I want to see are signs that you are on that track already. And if you beat the Steelers on Sunday, I don't know who in the conference you can even begin to make a case for that would be better than the Bills to challenge Kansas City. The Titans did beat the Bills. But to me, again, like, they just don't play the style of football I need to beat the Chiefs. You know? And I think the Steelers are capable of that. But... Roethlisberger at this stage, I want to believe the Bills are a bigger threat. I don't know that. I think Sunday we'll get a good idea of whether they are or not. But I want to believe right now the Bills are the biggest threat to Kansas City in this conference. And I'm not sure I can even make a good argument for anybody else. I think you could make the case that even if the Bills aren't the second best team in the AFC, that their style of play gives them the best chance to take out KC. If the Steelers are a better all-around team... I still don't think their offense is good enough to keep up with a Mahomes-led offense. Yeah, The Bills have shown that their offense can do that. So even if the Bills aren't, like I said, if the Bills aren't the second best team in the AFC, I still would say they're the mm. most likely to dethrone Kansas yeah. City. Well, and did you hear Mike Greenberg on this today? I did, of and ESPN. I thought it was fantastic, actually. I, I'm going to play that here now because I... A lot of the arguments that we'll make about this subject, Mike did it, and he did it pretty in a pretty good 90-second sample size here. So here's Mike Greenberg on the Bills being the top challenge to the Chiefs of ESPN. We're only one conversation. We're only one conversation really matters, and that is, can anyone beat the Chiefs? And the answer is yes. And the team with the best formula to do it in either conference is Buffalo. Here's the deal. Patrick Mahomes has lost nine games as a pro, and he has averaged over 31 points in those. You cannot shut him down. You have to match him score for score, and Josh Allen is equipped to do that. Mahomes has the most explosive pass plays in the sport this year. That's not a surprise. Allen is third, right behind him. In fact, the Bills have only four fewer explosive plays all season than the Chiefs do. Buffalo actually throws the ball on first down more than Kansas City, more than anyone. And they're number one in the sport in success rate on passes. The Chiefs are number two. Now, the other way to beat Mahomes is to play keep away. And the Bills can do that, too. Patrick is 19-1 when Kansas City has the edge in time of possession, so this matters. Buffalo has 27 scoring drives of 10 or more plays this year. That's the most in the league. They're also number one in converting third downs and fourth downs. And they're number two in success rate on runs. So they're actually on pace to go into the playoffs as both the best passing and rushing team in either conference. So would I advise betting against Patrick Mahomes? Of course not. Probably for the next 15 years. But he isn't going to win them all. 
People are going to beat him. And this year, the numbers say the likeliest to do it are Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Didn't Mike just basically say what we just said? And have been saying? Yeah. I, I think that's where I'm at. I think everything he just said is what I'm thinking about, and I'm not picking the Bills to beat the Chiefs, but if I'm picking someone to do it, I am picking this team. And that is such a perfect example of why in today's NFL, and especially to compete with the Chiefs, offense and passing matter. It really does. And almost nothing, nothing else matters almost. It matters a little bit. You know, you don't want to be a dumpster fire everywhere else. Look at the Seahawks. Right. But yeah, if you're at right. least pretty good at everything else, you can see what you are. The Bills right now are, I think, a legit Super Bowl contender. And I think the only thing they are elite at is passing. I think everything else, they're pretty good. They're an elite passing team. That's all it takes is being pretty good at everything and then elite at passing. And you're in. You're in the club. S- Seattle is almost good at nothing other than <laughs> passing. I think and, that is and they're absolutely still, right. Like, <laughs> like, that is definitely right. <laughs> and and they were still what six and zero oh this year. They were five six and zero. Oh. Oh. They were five and zero, oh, five and one, six and one, six and two. And they could still do damage in the playoffs. You know, they're absolutely. Going to make, they're going I don't to make think it. any any team would want to go to Seattle and play against Russ Wilson and Metcalf right, like, and lock it. Have, maybe our our bar has been raised so high that we're like we're almost downplaying the Seahawks, but <laughs> they're been bad, there, done that. They're right? bad at everything but passing, <laughs> and they're eight and four. Exactly. That's a that's a perfect example. And then you have other teams like the Rams that it seems like they have to grind out these wins. Yesterday's a terrible example. This might be a good segue into our next topic. But you know the the Rams aren't elite at pass. At least they don't have an elite passer. They have an elite coach and an elite defense. Yes. But don't their win- wins just seem kind of like a grind? They they feel like. They're the NFC's version of the Titans. That's what I think they are. And, you know, that could get you a couple of playoff wins. I don't Absolutely. think you're winning a Super Bowl that way. That's tough. It's it's tough. You have to play, like, perfect football. Yeah, or you're going to need Jared Goff to have a, the game of his life. Like, he's got to have his he's got to have Which his he can. A-plus game. And I think Goff, maybe, eh, Tannehill Goff, I would feel like they're just as capable. You know, they're they're... I have a bit more confidence that those guys could put that performance needed against a team like the Chiefs or a team like the Packers or Saints than I would with you know, a Baker Mayfield or anybody that's going to come out of the NFC East. Um, but I'm not also saying that they're likely to do that. Like they win, Those teams win those games and they, are, they have those records because of the running games, because of the defense. And to me, those teams will always be limited in some way. Like it will take... It will take being historically good at one of those two things, running game or defense, to be able to win a Super Bowl. Those are the teams that do it. Think of the Broncos with Peyton Manning, who was shot at the time. Why'd they win a Super Bowl? They were historically good on defense. Think about the 49ers last year. 49ers made it because they were... uh, 49ers, top to bottom, that roster is just absolutely loaded. And and they and they still played and they played their game against KC in yep. the Super Bowl for three quarters and they still yeah. couldn't get it done. Think about that. So it, you're right though. It, that was a good segue into our next conversation. Let's just jump right into it. The Patriots are dead. They're they're dead right now, and I can't imagine that they're going to come away with anything in the draft or this offseason that is going to make me afraid of them next year either. This will be Bills and Dolphins yet again next year. That's the only thing you'll be able to talk about in terms of who wins the AFC East. Right. I think the Bills will – I don't mean to put the Dolphins like on the same level as the Bills for no, that. No, they're, they're on that tra- trajectory. Yeah, they're yeah. the only team that I could realistically make a case for even being competitive. Like Even if Trevor Lawrence 
does end up with the Jets. Like, they're not right away competing for the division. And New England is now going to be nowhere. Cam Newton is shot. I said it earlier, I think he is completely shot. I think his days as a starting quarterback in this league are over. And New England is only then left with Jarrett Stidham, a quarterback, who has not had a big sample size. I don't think you need more of a sample size because he's been atrocious in the few attempts he's had this season and last season. So he's, to me, a non-factor. They have too many wins to be high enough in the draft to be getting a rookie that I'm going to be afraid of in the next year or two. Are the so Patriots? Where, where are they? Are the Patriots turning into the drought bills? Right now they are. I, that's what I wonder. Sometimes I think about this the other way with quarterback. Like Aaron Rodgers to me was this with the Packers. He was always just too good to ever get have Mike McCarthy get fired. You know, yeah. like I thought Mike McCarthy was an awful head coach. I think he was always an awful head coach. But Aaron Rodgers was so good that they'd win their 8, 9, 10 games right. and Mike McCarthy would stay employed. This happened in Houston for a couple of years, too. And I, I mean, I'm kind of, they needed to have this season almost. Bill O'Brien, to me, was the modern day version of that. He was an awful coach, or maybe a worse GM. I didn't think he was a great coach. That Deshaun Watson was going to prop up and was going to allow him to stay employed. Now they bottomed out this year, and that's what got him fired. But Watson was on track to be doing that for Bill O'Brien as well before he traded away all his star players. DeAndre Hopkins, at least, trading away him. And this is almost the flip side of this with New England. Bill Belichick, I think, deserves a ton of credit. Like To me, I, I can't think of another good reason why they even have six wins. That offense has no talent. Name one great player in the entire offense. Like Their offensive line's good, right? It's very good. Maybe it's one of the best. But... Unskilled position it's, player. No, you're right. It's devoid of talent. Do they have a single skill position player that would not even start on the Bills, play on the Bills? Damian Harris. Maybe. Sure, maybe. But like, would Gabriel Davis start on the Patriots? I think he might. Cole Beasley would be would, the number one receiver. John Gabriel, Brown would be the number one receiver. I like, can't fathom Gabe Davis not Gabriel Davis not starting on like who's better? Right. Like Dawson not, Myers? Even, even tight end where the Bills are not that strong. They might have three guys that would start for New England. Right. I can make a case Reggie Gilliam would start for New England. So they are nowhere on offense. They had all those opt-outs on defense. Belichick's done an amazing job with that team this year, getting to six wins. Will he be too good of a coach for them to ever be at the bottom of the league to get the quarterback he needs? I think there's a realistic shot, that it, or a, a very good chance, that as long as Bill Belichick is that team's head coach, the only way they're finding their next franchise quarterback luck. is going to be via trade or via free agency. Or, or just luck. They won't be bad enough in the draft. Yeah, you know. Luck, they could draft a guy... No, I mean Andrew, mean Andrew Luck. Luck. No, no, no. <laughs> they uh, could be. No, I do mean I do mean Luck. Like you know how they lucked into Tom Brady, like like that kind of luck. You know. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that they have that, uh, or that he that, that example exists. But you're right. Like, and it doesn't have to be sixth round. It could be mid to late first round. Those yeah. guys exist. Absolutely. But, I mean, more times than not, you miss on that player, and. How good is New England's recent track record in terms of drafting? They haven't really taken quarterbacks. They showed, do you see the graphic of their wide receivers they've drafted in the last 10 years? That they have like two guys that are even still in the NFL, and one of them is Braxton Berrios, who's like a special teamer for the Jets. And then the other is Nikhil Harry for New England, who looks pretty bad right now. Bust. And what's their recent quarterback drafting? They don't have a lot of it because they have Brady. They drafted Garoppolo in the second Garoppolo, round. Yeah. That's, not a, that's a pretty good pick, you know? Jimmy Garoppolo would be in like the 90th percentile of quarterbacks drafted in the second round, I think. And then did they draft Mallet? 
They drafted Mallet, Ryan Mallet in the third round. That flamed out. They drafted Jacoby Brissett in the third round. You know, again, third round, what do you expect? Like, it's not that bad. Right. So they haven't really been tested, but they also haven't been just drilling quarterback picks. Like, the guys we thought were good did not even end up being, like, I don't like Garoppolo. Maybe it depends what you think of him. Maybe he ends up back there. I don't think much of him. I mean, look at how talented that 49ers team was last year, and really, Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> didn't have to do too much. He just had to have a, a, a an above-average to decent Mm-hmm. passing attack, and they would have won the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right, got to take a quick timeout here. I've, we're getting you to Niagara Basketball, which is coming up at 8 o'clock. They are at St. Peter's. So we'll come back, we'll wrap up the show, and then we'll get you to the Niagara broadcast. When we come back here on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney, this is WGR. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney, back here on the Nightcap. Last call on the Nightcap. If any late stragglers want to get in on the phone lines, 803-0550. Have you ever been... Last call at a bar? Of course. I'm kind of Same. offended you asked that. I, I'm just checking. I'm just making sure. I would have guessed yes. I would have probably assumed that. I'm also offended that you would have guessed yes. It's kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> dumb, dumb. I just offended Brendan twice for opposite things, amazingly. It's, what an achievement that is. I want to do a quick hockey thing before okay. we get out of here. We've got... Niagara basketball coming up in about 12 minutes. Pre-game coverage starts in about six or seven minutes here on WGR. There is some prospect news floating around the league uh, with Chicago, with Toronto. Teams are trying to decide whether to allow their star prospects to play in the World Juniors and then basically have to give them a roster spot to open the season without going through a training camp or preseason games. Now, there will be no preseason games, assuming the schedule is what has been reported so far, that there will be no preseason games. And if you line up the dates, the gold medal game for the World Juniors is January 7th. The NHL season begins, reportedly, on January 15th. Right. It's an eight-day gap. Camp, I mean, they're not going to start training camp a week before. So training camp will be underway by the time the World Juniors are over. And for a guy like Dylan Cousins, who I want to bring up here for the Sabres, who is right now centering Canada's top line. Canada. Between Jack Quinn and and Kirby Kirby Doc, Doc, by the way. Third overall pick from last year. uh, Played 60 games for the Blackhawks last year. 23 uh, 23 points. Yeah. I mean, that team's... It's Canada. You know, they're going to be in it to the very end. What do the Sabres do with that? And I want to. I, what I'd like to see happen, what I hope happens, is what will happen with Chicago. The Blackhawks are letting Kirby Doc play in the World Juniors and are going to give him a roster spot to open the season. That's a little bit of a different situation in that he played their entire year last season. He wasn't like insane. He had like 23 points. But he played the whole season. He got games under his belt. He'll get a spot to open the season there, even with missing training camp. But then you've got the Leafs. We're not letting Nick Robertson go to the World Juniors. Really being reported that they're considering that because they want to see him in camp. They're not going to just give him a roster spot. They're not just going to hand him a, a spot in the opening night lineup because of what his draft status was. And I wonder what the Sabres do with that. My hope is they will just give Dylan Cousins a spot in the opening night lineup. I'm not saying for the season. You get your nine-game tryouts, though, right? I don't think there's a change to that. You get your nine-game tryout. They'll give him that nine-game tryout, regardless of whether he's at training camp. And I hope what I hope doesn't happen, but what I think could, 
is that they just send him outright back to juniors and allow him to play in the World Juniors. So you don't want Cousins on this team? No, I do want Cousins on this team. I'm worried that they won't have Cousins on this team. I'm worried that they will not hand a rookie a roster spot because of his draft status. It's not just because of his draft I, status. I you know, honestly, but, like looking at the Sabres, I kind of think that Cousins is a Sabre. Like from, from everything that I've been seeing and just the glowing reviews about this kid that he's probably the number one prospect in the world right now, you know, uh, excluding this NHL. draft class, mm-hmm. excluding the Lafreniere's and the Byfields, however you want to rank them. He's a lead prospect. Yeah. Right, but he's up there, and, like, I'm, I, ready, I'm ready to see Dylan Cousins. This is I'll why, just say that. This is why I'm worried about it, because the Sabres are not doing what Toronto's doing. And I would think... Maybe he has a spot. I hope, but also... If he if you wanted to see more, you would not allow him to go to the World Juniors. I don't also I don't really know what I want with Dylan Cousins. I guess what I would like in an ideal world is he plays the World Juniors and then he plays opening night for the Sabres. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I just hope it's not one or the other. And that's I, not the way the Sabres have done it. I have nothing, you know, there's nothing that I've seen that makes me think that. It's just I am more it's just a hope. I'm more inclined to believe they don't need to see him in camp. And I am basing this purely on what I've seen about Cousins, you know, as a prospect. Yeah. Right, because I don't know the Sabres thinking on this. But I am more inclined to believe that they know he'll be on the team, and so why not let him play yep. junior on the world stage in a huge tournament? I, I think, And they probably think it's better for him than being in camp. Yes. That would be my guess, without knowing anything about what the Sabres really think about Dylan Cousins, but for, you know my point of view the entire summer was that yeah Dylan Cousins is is in the starting lineup. How how can he miss? I I hope so. Um, I'm glad we squeezed in some hockey there. We got to run though. Niagara basketball is on the way next year in WGR. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.